Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from Expedition Bigfoot. You're listening to the Paranomaly Zone. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen. It does happen. A ghostly apparition in the dark of night. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, Cassius Parius! Hey there, fellow zoners. You are in the Paranomaly Zone, your weekly dose of all things, you guessed it, paranormal, strange, and mysterious, and on occasion, true crime. And yes, you guessed it again. This is one of those occasions. It is time to dive into true crime. We're going to fill ourselves with heebie-jeebies before you know it. Maybe a little vomit in the mouth, but it'll, it'll all be good. It'll all be good. My name is Patrick Koffenberg. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host with the ghosts, the paranormal poster boy himself, the now the guilty one of changing plans at the last minute, Mr. Mike Carbno. You are now the guilty party of changing plans at the last minute, but we made it work. We're doing it. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Igor, are you satisfied with Mike changing plans at the last minute? No. Ah, that's fine. That's okay. No. Well, we'll, well, we'll make it work, and, and it's going to be good. We're still getting... What? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Say what you're saying. I said it's still going to be good. No worries. Yeah. No worries. Uh, we're getting it done early tonight. This is Friday, December 30th. We hope everyone had a very happy, merry, and safe Christmas with your friends and loved ones, and we hope you have an even better New Year's and yeah, that's like real quick. Entire year to follow <laughs> after that. Yeah, it's going to be here in uh, uh, two days, actually, Mike. It's a new year. Good yes. Golly, Miss Molly. So uh, that's right. Good to see you, though. We are here. It's like I said, it's four thirty. We were originally shooting for four to get it done early, so we could both go on with our lives on the Friday night. <laughs> well, it's a grandchild to pick up and yes. have for the weekend. Of course, of that course. I have so. But then Mike originally said, like, I got to make fun of you a little bit, because then we were shooting for four, and then you said, well, how about five? And I said, that's fine, too. And so I go <laughs> off, and I start doing all sorts of things, and then I yeah. get a text from Mike saying, can you do it at four? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 let's go, and here we are. Yeah, it was all came up pretty quick about this, you know, making this drive to pick up the kid. Oh, it's all good. Man. So, And we haven't had him for quite some time, so it's time. It's, it'll it's, be good. Yeah, it's grandparent time, so that's all cool. Yeah. And Mike has got his creepy ass monkey lurking over his uh, left shoulder. Oh yeah, yet again. I was thinking about putting some kind of a small light on it, yeah, so I was it kind of shines on. Maybe it'll be monkey shine behind my shoulder. Do you have like a reflective or a or a, a, a lit like necklace or something you can dangle around him? Or I don't a, know. Hmm, maybe a little hat. I don't know. How about a little monkey maybe hat? I'll, maybe I'll I'll make him like hold a candle or something and then burn our house down. That's good. good thinking. 
Good thinking right there. So I'm not sure if that's a good idea, Mike, but. Uh, no, probably not. Hey, I got to tell you, whoa, have you heard? Yes. <laughs> yes I, well, I don't know if I can hear anything now after that, but that's oh, okay. Sorry. No, that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> well, poor Pele passed away. Poor Pele did pass away. Yes, he did. Were you a fan? 82 years old. Oh, well, no. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. That's he a was sweet. a human being, very oh, famous yeah. in, in the world of soccer. You realize how soccer? you just, I mean, do you realize how you just sounded right there, Mike? You're like, I, are you a fan? I innocently ask. And Michael's, well, no. I was like, my <laughs> Lord. I wasn't asking if you're well, a fan of Hitler or something like that. I mean, it's, it's okay. It really is. Well, you know. You know, I'm not a fan of really any sports. I, I, know, but I like can't you watch said, football. I've tried. I've tried. Man? I've tried to like it. Can yeah, I do it? There's something wrong. Uh, can you. I do it? Something wrong with you on that front. But that's okay. And I'm. Yeah. Well, I no. just there's a lot I'm of people think these... there's there's things wrong with me for being uh, too much into the the ball of foot and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's there's there's no fun in watching these bulging beastie men hurting each other and yeah, speak for yourself you know slapping each other on the butt when they do something good well i don't like it again i don't like it speak for yourself but <laughs> getting back to pele yeah the man himself wasn't was an ambassador and a wonderful guy so yeah it's always sad news yes. to, hear, to hear stuff yep. like that um 82 years yeah that's that's a good b minus run right there uh yeah it could have gone oh, yeah. quite a bit longer i've come to the, to the conclusion that i rank lifespans the same way that you would rank a, a, a paper in English class. Like, you know, hmm. uh, you get up to 70, that's a C minus. You get up to 80, well, uh, that's a B minus. You get up to 90, well, well, you're in the A zone now. You know, you get over 100, that's an A flipping plus, you know. I, I'm hoping for like a D plus. I was gonna, you know, no, 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 I, no, you're shooting more. You are you are at a low, low. No, you're failing right now, actually. You are failing. So uh, Yeah, I tell ya, Mike, you. Mike, know, you need to get to at least a D minus, please. Yeah. For the well, for the sake of our podcast listeners, Mike, get up to 65, 66%, and then we'll, everything <laughs> after that is gravy, right? <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. I'm, I'm kidding, Lord. Don't strike him down yes. right now, or me down for that matter, for yeah. uh, jokingly well, kidding about Mike's lifespan here. Well, like I had mentioned to you earlier, I, I have this morning, just as of this morning, I've been approved for long-term disability. That's right. You did. Say so, that. you know, um, and I got to wait till the 30th for my next set of shots. And I have no idea after that when my I'll be getting my next nerve ablation. <sighs> Mike. One, one day at a time. Okay. Now I'm done complaining. But anyway, not, go ahead. What are you going to say? Question? I'm not going to need to like roll you in and out of the uh, Velisca house when we, <laughs> when oh, we no. make the, no. the track I, there. Okay. All right. Just like if, uh, just like with the Sally house, if I had to, I would have crawled. I know you that house. I know you would. You are dedicated. <laughs> the Velisca house. If, if I a, need people to bring me in on a stretcher, I'm going to be there. <laughs> I know. You are a dedicated podcaster, dedicated uh, amateur investigator of all things paranormal. And, hey, speaking of the Sally House, I did just post uh, two additional video clips from our evening at the Sally House. My sensory deprivation uh, session, which I was going back and forth whether or not I wanted to post that, but I was like, yeah, why the hell not? And then a short little brief intro clip that we filmed right when we got there. That's kind of interesting, Mike. Have you looked at it yet? I I told you last. I night. haven't. I have have I've had a day or or two of uh, been very very busy. Yeah. So. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um. No. At the <laughs> when when uh we're in the kitchen there, and I am asking you to you know open up the door to the basement so we can give the viewers a a, a shot at the creepy ass basement on Sally House. Yeah. In the bottom left corner, there's a. 
interesting little um, something. I don't know what it is. It could be just dust, but it's definitely a orb-like, and it just moves in mm-hmm. a really awkward fashion. So I'm thinking dust, but I want your opinion on it. So. Well, if it was moving in an awkward fashion, it could very well have been a drunken albino mouse or rat. That flies, apparently, because it was in the air. <laughs> well, um, they can jump. They can jump. Well, that would have Ever been seen a mouse jump? Holy crap. Like four feet in the air? Yeah, well, that's pretty, at least that's pretty impressive. Maybe it was a mouse. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it was, but uh, no, no, it yeah, wasn't. Two additional, uh, like I said, two additional video clips added to the Patreon page. Again, the Patreon page is alive and well. Uh, we may be slowing down on recording Patreon exclusive episodes, but we are not stopping. We're just kind of on a temporary hiatus. We're still adding all sorts of uh, cool content from our investigations and whatever the hell pops into our brains. It's really, really cool. You guys can check it out for as little as a buck a month. A lot of really cool stuff. 57 exclusive episodes. We have video episodes there. We got all sorts of neat little things. We have we have pictures of Mike uh, in his undies running around in the cemetery. It's pretty cool. Did you know that, Mike? Yeah, that was all right. That, yeah. yeah. I, I took those uh, secretly. So, and I was wearing I was wearing flip flops as well. Flip flops, uh, black undies, <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a white tank top. Black undies. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's kind of dark, all you see is white. Yeah. Torso and head and arms. Yes, and, and a, white legs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a blank spot in between there. <laughs> and a skull. I have no penis area. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the skully is important. Don't forget about that. So that's yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, and Ske- no, Skelly no. hat with uh, Christmas lights on it. I'm kidding about, you know, pictures of Mike in his undies. Actually, you have total yeah. nudes, total nudes available on the Patreon. <laughs> I thought you said total pubes on there, and then <laughs> oh, you no, no, changed no, no, no. it to nudes. I said nudes. <laughs> I am Good not Lord. that gross. I am not that vulgar. Oh, I am not that immature. Yeah. No. Let's get back on track here. I'm... Yeah, this is a true crime episode, by the way. <laughs> well, what we just talked about was a true crime, so... <laughs> Yeah, since we are kind of on a, um, well, well, we're kind of rushing through this. Well, not rushing through this, but no, we're, we're no. on a, a a schedule, a wee bit on a schedule, so Mike can go have good good old quality grandpa time and well-deserved quality grandpa time. Yeah, this is a return to our true crime series. It's been a while. We haven't done one since our flipping Fritz Harmon episode back in, like, July or August or something like that. Um, See, and I don't even remember that. Really? <laughs> well, he was the wonderful guy who was known as like the vampire of Hanover, and he was all sorts That's of wonderful right. nicknames because he enjoyed biting people's jugulars while he was. Yeah. Anyways, mm-hmm. I don't want to get into uh, all the yeah. gross details about sick that, and man. twisted. So we've done. Uh, we've covered Ed Gein. We've covered uh, Pee Wee Hask or Gaskins and um, uh, the aforementioned Fritz Harmon. Uh, well, those that goes back in the day. We uh, we did the ghost of Ted Bundy, the the haunting of Ted yeah. Bundy. Well, we sort of we did two great to, episodes of that. Yes, we did. Um, we sort of returned Ours to true and crime. Mr. Jericho. Uh, we sort of returned to true crime when we talked about the uh, the the again the aforementioned uh, Velisca Axe uh, murder house um, hauntings because we gave a good detailed rundown of what actually occurred there and uh, the paranormal aspects related to that gruesome uh horrific true story and we haven't decided to uh, well we didn't decide to focus on any particular individual for this one we focused on an interesting topic which is creepy and eerie in itself we're going to talk about serial killers who were never caught which is terrifying um 
And it makes you wonder, Mike, how many are still out there, aside from the one that have, have been given monikers, you know, and nicknames. Yep. I was just thinking that, yep. I mean, there's got to be just innumerable, you know, monsters who are, well, hopefully they have passed away long ago, but you know that there's awful people yeah. out there right now. Oh, man. I don't like Absolutely. That. There's there's a lot out there that probably haven't even killed their first person yet. Mm. They are like serial killers in, in like the waiting room, waiting their, their oh. time to come out and you know, do who knows what kind of inexplicable Thank you for saying things. that, Mike, because before we dive into, we found some pretty interesting uh, lists here, basically. Um, fascinating in a, in a gory way, obviously. It's, you know, it's kind of the fascination with serial killers. It's like you can't, you want to look away, but you can't, you know, you want, you, you don't want to learn about it, but you do. But I wanted to bring this up. That the age-old question, Mike. Uh, this is off the cuff here, off top of our heads. When it comes to serial murder, which side of the fence do you lean towards? Are you more of a nature, or more of a nurture, or a combination? I mean, what oh, do you think is going on there? In your, opinion? I think it's definitely a combination. In my opinion, it definitely a combination. I mean. Oh, yeah. I agree. Um, I, no, there's so I, much I that goes you. into a, a person that is capable of doing this. And well, I would have to say both. Yeah. Well, there has, you know, there's, they have to be wired incorrectly, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but also there are tons of people out there you would think who are wired incorrectly who choose not to do this, choose not to go right. down that path for whatever reason. Maybe it is based on how, maybe it is based on nurture, you know, maybe how they were raised, how they were yeah. taught. Um, I didn't go that way because I don't like the mess. Oh, that's a good reason too. Very good reason. Yeah, Mike, uh, he, as, as tidy as a person as he appears to be, um, you know that goes. <laughs> I will not be a serial killer because I don't like the mess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, and let's just face it, Mike, you don't like the effort that goes into it. Sometimes, you know, you're just you, yeah, you, you and just, the smell. I don't like the smell. I, I know. Um, again, irreverent humor. We are not mocking any of these, uh, no, God, no. these victims by any means. Uh, we have to throw that out there, though, because some people are offended by everything. So we just yeah. have to well, uh, throw that this out. This whole subject is offensive. So, I, I, you know. That's a good point. Good point. But, but there are people that really like the true crime and the sick and twisted stories. I mean, there's oh, no doubt. people that really enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I just. I have heard from some that do anyway. i just recently finished um another book on ted bundy well, maybe a month or so ago um and this one was written by the uh, psychologist who did the um thorough um who analyzed mr bundy thoroughly back in the day in the 70s you know after he was apprehended and i'm, you know, I'm drawing a blank on the exact title i think i think it's called not guilty and then like you know the ted bundy murders or something because it's basically about i mean it's this it's a it's really well written it's interesting because it's coming from the point of view of uh, of a psychologist you know of someone who knows the ins and outs of the human mind you know and it'd be too much to to have in your mind and uh, and uh you know to know have all that knowledge I, and yeah, deep research into that Oof. well you know long story short <clears throat> he basically says that ted bundy yes he was born with this incorrect wiring and he didn't write it that way. That's just my wording. But 
That combined with a lifetime of every decision that Ted Bundy made, every decision that Ted Bundy made, going back to childhood all the way up through the day he was finally caught, is what made him what he was. Um, so that's kind of what I'm, I'm throwing out towards you as well. It's Let's say, Mike, um, let's say that heaven exists and hell exists, okay? Just so, okay. just so just throwing that out there. Now, again, in your opinion, Mike, if someone is out there who is born with that, here we go again, incorrect wiring, that awful, has that awful tendency towards hate and is fighting the urge to act out on those feelings of hate, but never does, but they have that in them. But for whatever reason, how they were raised, how, you know, they, they're a successful businessman, you know, and they don't want to lose all their money. So, hey, I'm not going to go kill somebody or 900 people, uh, you know, because I don't want to lose my job. Any yeah. other reasons. I'm, I'm being kind of flippant, but I think you know what I mean. If you have those urges, but you don't act out on them, and under the belief that heaven does exist and hell does exist, does that make that person evil? Is that person going to hell, Mike, with those urges, mm. even though they do not act out on them? And this could go for any number of topics, by the way. Sure. Um, you know, uh, it's kind of you know, there's, there's got to be a, well, yeah, but there's there's a line somewhere that that's drawn uh, between actually doing something and having a thought in your head because i think as human beings we are all capable of that i mean um but you know being uh you know air quotes normal human being because i don't know what that is um you <laughs> Now I'm starting to struggle a little bit here. Um, <laughs> the sweat is pouring uh, off of Mike's brow. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you, I don't mean to put you on the spot, have, but I kind of. Oh do. no, no, no! You, you haven't. If you, if you have a thought like that, I mean, out of anger, and you're like, oh, that just, ugh, you know, I could just kill that guy or whatever. I mean, humans say that all the time. Now that well, is sure. just something a human reaction. Um, you know, and then you're, if you take it up to another level, it's like, uh, oh, I could just kill that guy. And then you have thoughts of, oh, how could I do that? You yes. know, that's taking it to a whole nother level. And there's also another then, level. There's also another <clears throat> level of having obsessive thoughts about this, you know, where you absolutely. And it, yeah, go ahead. But you can't get, you can't rid yourself of these thoughts and you are, you know, right. you are ha hounded and haunted by this desire yep. to go and commit these awful acts, but you don't because you know it is awful. You yeah. know it is criminal, <clears throat> but you still have the <clears throat> urge. And so it's like, where is this urge? Yeah. And how many levels? Right. Right. How many mm -hmm. levels are there of that, those thoughts? You know, I mean, there could be eight or nine or 10 levels that each one, it gets a little bit closer to actually doing that. You know, um, and I don't think it takes very far getting up into those levels to uh, uh, be figuring out that that person's pretty screwed up. Right. You know, I mean, you know, you know, the, the, the totally human thing of being frustrated and going, oh, I just, you know, and let it and, it and it goes, it leaves you without even you having to, yeah. you know, try and stop thinking about it. 
but you know, and as you the said, more I levels think that you go up and I think, as you said, is, is it safe to say that that's, that's the normal part of being a human is that everyone has the, has those oh, absolutely. temporary thoughts, yeah. those temporary feelings. I think so. You know, but, you know, uh, and that's me not being any kind of a psychologist or anybody that's sure. dug into anybody's brain or anything. Yeah. Mike, but, hasn't, you know, Mike hasn't written that's, any that's books. That's my opinion. I don't think you've written any books about serial killers, right? No. I don't think so. <laughs> you know. No. Um, hey, maybe that's no, in your future. No, but I have channeled uh, Sigmund Freud before, and uh, he has told me a few things. Ooh, about yourself? Did you learn about yourself? Did you learn? Uh, no, about you, actually. Oh, about yeah. me. Oh, I don't want to hear about it. So, um, yeah, okay. I, uh, I know. frightened me a little bit, but <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good. I know far too much about myself already, and uh, it's all, yeah, I, I was going to make a really Patrick is one of the joke. easiest, one of the easiest, uh, Patrick's one of the easiest, nicest, level-headed, with, with, with quirkiness to it, but um, <laughs> that you'd ever want to meet. He's like an innocent child. An innocent and child. And about the same size. I am, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just a no, little bit that's bigger. that's a joke. Just that's a, a joke. little that's a joke. bit bigger. Um, yeah. You know, and Mike knows me quite well, but I'm also, I feel like I'm on the verge of a lot of things. <laughs> so I might seem even keeled, well, but I'm doing that uh, yeah. out, out of um, self-preservation, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, even, okay, with me, you know, this is just an example, but um, as you know, and as listeners know, because I keep whining about my, my issues. Um, what? I've been, you know. What the, issues? The, the, the stress level of, of everything added together um, uh, and, and along with all the pain and the stuff that doesn't go away and it keeps adding up in the, in the uh, uh, emotional breakdowns that I've had. I'm opening up a little bit here. Um, I've been Mike, to the point of. Mike, do you, like, need, to, do you need to lie just, down? Do you need to lie down? to? Uh, uh, no. Oh, okay. No, no, no. But I have been to the point of like, how can I deal with anything, uh, you know, with everything that's going on? And I'm not whining saying that, but, but I know that I'm stable. I can go through all that and be stressed out and not know, you know, I mean, yesterday I had to go to the freaking food pantry to, for food. And that's where I met. <laughs> oh. But hey, I'm dealing with it. I have no thoughts of going out and killing anybody or even saying any bad things about anybody you know I should, i'm a normal person i should cut that out and put that on the sound bar just so we can have that you know documented and uh, available at any time where mike is quoted to saying uh, quoted to say i am not planning on killing anybody or whatever. <laughs> just, so, i thought you were gonna say i had to go to the freaking food pantry no 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 i was talking about the killing thing but uh yeah so, okay. so uh computer mike what do you think about mike opening up a vein right there enough of that yeah okay yeah <laughs> All yeah, righty, let's let's dive into a few of these. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. This, there's some really monsters, nasty. Ooh, I, yeah. Did you horrible. just go? Wah, wah. Yes, I did. So, so, <laughs> Mike was channeling his inner Al Pacino Ooh, right there. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just start with um, again. If you cannot tell, this is pretty much off the cuff, but sometimes some of our best episodes come out of our off-the-cuff, unprepared. Yeah. Uh, well, lately, we've been doing a lot of off-the-cuff. I know. Sure seems that way, doesn't it? But this this <laughs> comes from an article that I sent you, um, or a link that I sent you, gosh, what, a month ago now? 
at least over a month when we first originally planned on doing a true uh, true yeah. crime yeah, episode yep. again. One that um, caught my eye for obvious reasons. This man went under the moniker the Bigfoot Killer. Um, I was like, "What? Hello, Bigfoot Killer?" Now, of Bigfoot course, I w- killer. Yes, I wasn't like thinking about um, what. Is there someone out there murdering innocent Sasquatch? And I'm like, "No, no, of course I wasn't going. I wasn't. I'm not being that silly, uh, boys <laughs> yeah. and girls." No, the Bigfoot well, if you killer, do, bring in the body for crying out loud. Yeah, no kidding. Prove it. Prove it. Damn it. No, the Bigfoot Killer is actually a name given to an <laughs> yeah. unidentified. American serial killer who, and of course, you know, all this stuff is uncomfortable to talk about, but this man raped and murdered seven girls and women in Detroit in between February and October of 1975. Now, all the victims were engaged in prostitution and were impoverished with their killings taking place in the Cass Corridor neighborhood, also known as the Cass Ripper. Uh, mm. The Bigfoot killer chose young girls aged 16 to 22 who were prostitutes. 1975, he committed at least mm. four rapes with his victims going to the police and describing his appearance from which a facial composite was created. Now, between February and October, the offender killed a total of seven women, five black women and two white women. Now, during the investigation, witnesses reported that the killer had driven a beige Oldsmobile Offering fifteen dollars in exchange, which for which sexual... is what a Bigfoot would drive. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking more of like a Buick for some mm-hmm. reason. I don't know. Uh, offering uh, fifteen dollars <laughs> in exchange for sexual services, he then lured the victims to his car. After which he threatened them with knife, beat, raped, sodomized, and finally strangled them. He was described. Mm. Survivors described him as a muscular, tall African American with facial hair and an afro likely between ages 30 and 35. Now, this is where he get, got his name, the Bigfoot Killer. According mm-hmm. to police, he may have suffered from acromegaly. You know, oh, really? Gigantism. Since, according yes. to testimonies and other evidence, <clears throat> he had very large hands and feet. Hence the <clears throat> nickname, the Bigfoot Killer. Hey, Twelve and a half shoes. Tw- at least 12 and a half shoes. But Well, that's what it says right here. You know, and after this... And he had a very bad, rotting smell. He stunk. He stunk to high (laughs) heaven. Um, Not making fun. Not making fun. But sometimes you have to to be a little little silly and flippant. Just just to shake the heebie-jeebies from this. But uh, Now, after this information about his physical physical description was revealed to the public at the end of 1975, a number of activists and several hundred residents of the Cass Corridor organized of Cass Corridor organized a rally in front of a police station accusing the authorities of negligence due to the victim's social status, that being uh, prostitutes. Um, yeah, that's always unfortunate, man. You know, that, that, that that's a very common theme with a lot of serial killers, you know, a lot like um, uh, Gary Ridgway, you know, he got away with murder forever and ever. He is, you know, some people think he is the most prolific serial killer ever because he focused on prostitutes and a lot of people think that you know investigators you know police officers didn't really do their due diligence just because the victims were working in that field which is if true is absolutely terrible but long story short too late needless to say the bigfoot killer was never identified thus never captured is the bigfoot killer still roaming Mm. around the united states or where i mean 
the span of crimes ended in 1975. I mean, he could be quite old, but well, in all sincere, in all seriousness, he would be if he was between 30 and 35, and this ended in 1970. Oh yeah, would you say 19 in the in the 1970s? 75. He'd be in his 80s. 75. He'd be in his late 80s, and in all sincerity, people who suffer from acromegaly acromegaly usually do not live to be old people. That's very correct. Yes. So hopefully this Andre the Giant, for example, very good example. Yes. So hopefully this uh, <clears throat> this uh, monster is no longer among us. But uh, that's right. that's just one example right there. Man, the Bigfoot killer. Mike, do you want to like mm. kind of go back and forth with random random yeah, monsters that would be, here? That sounds wonderful. Okay. Now Mike is perusing said list uh, to find. Yeah. If I would have known this, I would have. Uh... <laughs> well, you know, because all these, uh, most of these have have like these monikers because again they're not identified, so they have to have these, you know, these, for lack of a better term, catchy nicknames, right. you know. So, hey, feel, uh, well, feel here, free here, to nail any of them, Mike. Absolutely. Um, this one kind of really strikes me as bad, and I don't know if I should even go into it because I I have no idea the backstory on this. <laughs> but oh, the man. castration serial murders. Oh. Boy, okay. Talk about sick and twisted. Yeah. Oh, God. Whew. There was a series of murders of young men committed in between two and at least five American states. So he definitely got around between August 1980 and November 1986. Um, and, you know, Mike, again, that's not a very common thing for serial killers. You know, it's, it, well, I should, it, when, right. when, they, when they travel from state to state, not saying it's never happened before, but that's, again, going back to Bundy, that's one of the reasons it mm-hmm. made him so hard to capture for so long is because he covered, you know, a five-state radius huge, majority of his, of his spree, but he traveled from coast to coast as well, a lot of people think he did. So uh, yeah. this, this is another one of those. As does his ghost, apparently. That's right. Yes, go, <laughs> go listen to our Haunting of Ted Bundy episode and go find the, oh, our appearance on, on Talk is Jericho as well. It was great. Yeah, Jericho had, he had a... He was a lot of fun to talk to about that. He had his, he had some pretty good ideas and everything. Absolutely, about it. he did. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah. Um. Let's see. He this uh, person would kidnap the victims, shoot them in the back of the head, and castrate them post mortem. That's how he got his name. Obviously, um, uh, they were initially considered unrelated due to the crime scene's geographic remoteness until 1989, when forensic evidence concluded that the two of his victims had been killed with the same revolver hmm, with yeah. the other three likely being related as well. That would do it. But uh, he was, uh, geez, he got around quite a bit to uh, Wyoming, Pennsylvania, Utah, Georgia, Connecticut, and possibly others. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the castration serial murder. I mean, what, again, we're all these people are monsters. All these people are warped. All of them are sick and twisted. Yeah, but what drives you to do that? I mean, oh, okay, this, ridiculous. these I, people are dead, and I I want to castrate them now. I mean, that is obviously some sort of sim, symbolism going on there, or it's something that makes him feel even more empowered. I, I guess yeah, I'm totally guessing yeah, at, And there's so many things that could be a possibility. Um, uh, but all these victims are fine. They were found close to roads that were frequented by truck drivers. Mm. Which means the investigator suggested that their killer might be a truck driver or a door-to-door salesman. That would be awful. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Can I sell you a vacuum and cut your balls off? <laughs> I know. Exactly. Not necessarily in that order. Either. Right. Yeah. 
Good God. Yeah, here's a Bible. Now, let me. Oh, God. Anyways. I don't like Who, it. Uh, in the 2000s, though, uh, police arrested a resident of San Francisco um, in whose house a can of preservative fluid was found <laughs> containing a. Sub- what now? <laughs> containing a severed male scrotum. It was sent for examination in an attempt to extract a tissue sample to establish the identity of the victim. But due to long term conservation of the scrotum, no DNA could be extracted. I'm not after. laughing at what he did. I'm, I'm just not laughing I'm at Mike saying the word scrotum in that <laughs> manner. Uh, after examining the edges and shapes of the victim's wounds from photographs taken during the original investigation, the forensic pathologist concluded that the scrotum did not belong to any of the known victims as of 2021. And of this date, none of the killings have been solved and are considered cold cases. So here we got this totally uh, un uh, unconnected scrotum in a jar. <laughs> now, where did that come from? And why is I'm there sorry. a scrotum in a jar? That's another sound bite anywhere. right there. Another sound bite right there. Mike just saying scrotum <laughs> in a jar. <laughs> <laughs> scrotum in a jar. I hope you're writing these down. <laughs> I got to remember to do that, man. I got to remember. Oof. Yeah, it's horrifying, and and there's worse than 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 this. Oh, absolutely! <sighs> I mean, one of the most famous unsolved serial murders, of course, is Jack the Ripper. I mean, you can't. Absolutely. I mean, perhaps the most famous serial killer. We, I mean, we won't uh, spend anyone's spending you know your precious time talking about Jack the Ripper because, quite frankly, there's a ton of information out there. But it's, yeah, it's still just so fascinating to me that that will. N- more than likely never be solved, even though we've had as a guest on here the great-great-grandson of Mr. H.H. Holmes himself, Jeff Mudgett, who, well, Absolutely. we encourage you guys to listen to the episode because he has very, very strong theories and evidence that suggests that H.H. Holmes and Jack the Ripper may very well be one in the same Um that was another great conversation that we had with Mr. Jeff Mudgett. Available oh, on the absolutely fantastic. I bet he'd be happy Patreon to come back page. on again. I think so, too. That was right yeah. after his appearance on Ghost Adventures, and so we got to hear mm-hmm. his little some behind-the-scenes talk about filming Ghost Adventures. So that was really, uh, really yeah. cool. Well, uh, which next, uh, uh, which other monsters shall we um, focus <clears throat> on now, Mike? Well, I'll, I'll answer that for you, okay? Yes, do. Gosh, there's, I hate, make again, I... This is my word for the day, flippant. I don't mean to sound flippant, but some of these flippant. names are just ridiculous. There's one that's, he's, the doodler, for crying out loud. The doodler. The doodler. <laughs> now, mm. the reason the doodler is he known as. doodlers off. No, we're not going there, Mike. Get your mind out of the scrotum jar. We're moving on. We're moving forward. <laughs> uh, the doodler, okay. also known as the black doodler, is an unidentified serial killer believed responsible for up to 16 murders and three assaults of men in San Francisco, California, between January 1974 and September 1975. The nickname, the doodler, was given due to the, due to the perpetrator's habit of sketching his victims prior to their sexual encounters and slains by stabbing. The perpetrator met his victims at gay nightclubs, bars, and restaurants. Now, what purpose does that serve again, Mike? That's mm. that seems very similar to like how Jeffrey Dahmer would love to take photos of his victims, right. you know, in various stages of undress and sexual poses before finally committing the acts of murder. Yeah. 
is this simply a, a method of preserving his the memory of the victim for the murderer? You know, it's they have so yeah. many. I, guess, I guess I could know, be. I, 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 I could be. But I, I have a question about. Uh, yeah, I'm not. How I'm do not they know that he talking did, about the doodler? By the way, so did he leave these doodles with the body or? Or what? Well, let's move on here. Let's see How if we they find, find out. out. Now, it's believed that the doodler killed between 6 and 16, as mentioned earlier. Several victims were stabbed in both the front and back of their bodies in similar locations. All of the victims were white males. Police theorized that the victims had all died after meeting with the suspect near the locations where their bodies were eventually recovered. The suspect was described as a black man between 19 and 25, about 6 feet tall with a slender build. In the early stages of the investigation, police believe there could have been as many as three different perpetrators. Now, there are three mm. alleged suspects, actually several suspects, but um, now we go. I'm, I'm sorry. I lost my page there, everybody. We're, we're professionals here, so I wanted to find the answer for why, you know, how they knew the, uh, did they come across these sketches, you know, before, after. You know, I guess what I'll tell everybody is, Look it up because <laughs> I don't want to waste their time while I'm scrolling through this article here. And I lost <laughs> my page. As again, we are very, 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 very professional here. But the doodler, I don't know. He wanted to draw his victims before actually um, <clears throat> committing the vile act. To me, as a very, very, in my very, very amateur opinion, and I may be repeating myself a little bit here, it's his way of preserving the memory. It's his way of always having something to fall back on. You know, a lot of yeah. these serial killers, they have to, if they don't literally take a body part, they want to have something to remember their victims by. So, yeah, that just shows that deep sickness as well. That, ugh. yeah. Oh gosh. What, what do you, what do you have next, Mike? All these well, people are so wonderful. That's so fun to choose from them, isn't it? Yeah. Um, not meaning to keep with, uh, with my uh, oh my god, my, we're going with balls again. Oh. Well, no, I just just going by <laughs> the name of this guy that they gave him, uh, Charlie Chopoff. Ooh, good old Charlie Chopoff. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that was my neighbor from uh. right there. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Chop Off. Yes, horrible. Uh, let's see. Charlie Chopoff is the pseudonym given to an unidentified American serial killer known to have killed three black children and one Puerto Rican child. See, this is where I sorry I chose this. Children. Yeah, children one is that's that's the but, worst of the worst yeah. the bear by far. The Any worst anything, anyone is horrible enough, but um That's the one good thing about the ethics of prisoners. Like if a if, if a new inmate if the word goes around and is discovered yeah. that the inmate is a child molester, child murderer, well, he's a goner in prison. Yeah, so that's they're the, taken care of. That's, that's uh, yeah. that prison code of ethics. As awful these people may be, anyways, yeah. it's like, well, you're the lowest of the low if you harm a child. Yeah. Um, this was not. This was happened in Manhattan between 1972 and 73. Um, also known to have attempted to murder one other child. Um, so yeah, 72 to 73, March to August. Um, Let me find the article you're looking at here. It's on that second link that you sent me. I believe it's the second one. Um, all the victims of this assailant were male, and the majority of murders committed by this individual involved the genital mutilation or attempted genital mutilation 
mutilation of the victims. God. Oh, I wish I wouldn't have chosen this one. I know. Uh, thanks. <clears throat> thanks a lot. Appreciate yeah, it. Well, this yeah turns this whole episode into a sick and twisted. <laughs> uh, while the case is still considered an open one, Erno Soto was held as a sp- suspect and confessed to one of the murders, but was uh, considered unfit for trial and sent back to a mental institution. Hmm. Um, uh, uh, March 9th, 1972, uh, Adrian Douglas Owens was found doing? dead. Um, stabbed 38 times. Okay. His penis had been cut, but not severed from his body. Uh, another black youth was repeatedly stabbed. His genitals were severed from his body, although he survived his injuries. Uh, on October 23rd, nine-year-old Wendell Hubbard was stabbed to death on the roof of an East Harlem tenement block. His penis had also been severed from his body. On March 6th, 1973, a nine-year-old Puerto Rican child named Luis Ortiz was stabbed 38 times. Wasn't that? The, yeah. Uh, so same as the first or the other one. 38 times, yep. Uh, and likewise mutilated. Finally, on August 17th, 1973, eight-year-old Stephen Cropper was repeatedly slashed with a razor on the roof of a tenement block. He bled to death from an injury to his arm although his penis was left oh, intact. Good God almighty. Um, oh. I hope Charlie Chopoff is burning in hell right now. So I, that's, that's After the botched abduction of a Puerto Rican, the Puerto Rican boy on May 15th, 1974, Erno Soto was arrested by the police. He was an intermittent patient of the Manhattan State Hospital since 1969 and confessed to the 1973 slaying of Cropper. His only surviving victim did say that Soto looked like his attacker, but refused to positively identify him. Manhattan State Hospital officials stated Soto was in their custody at the time of the murder, but also later confirmed that he might have eluded confinement as it had happened before. Despite lack of evidence, investigators still believe that he is likely a suspect, citing the fact that the murders ceased after his arrest and that an anonymous source placed him as a potential culprit on the first killing. However, due to his acute mental insta- instability, he is unlikely to stand trial. I feel like That's I'm, enough of that. I feel like I'm mentally unstable right now after listening to that. Oof. Yeah, what what was that again, Computer Mike? Uh, moving on? Enough of that. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Computer Walken. Christopher Walken, how would, in one word, how would you describe all of these people? Turd pile. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't know. Well... <laughs> no, he answered. He already told you. Yeah, turd I know. Turd I pile. It. Come on, turd, turd pile. pile. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Moving on. Oh, you know, another famous example of an unknown serial killer, and one that is absolutely mind-blowing if you have the time to look into it. Again, we'll spare you all the details, or even <laughs> vague details on this one, is, is the Zodiac Killer. This one is just right. something, one of the most infamous, if not the most infamous, unsolved murder spree ever, and it's, I don't, again... It just won't go away. The interest, and, and I, I don't blame anybody for being fascinated by this. How could you not be? Uh, the idea of you know these codes and just deciphering messages, you know, and the kind of apparent, apparent intelligence, the the apparent, you know, teasing the authorities, teasing the investigators. You know, you're on the trail, you're getting yeah. close, all that sort of stuff. It's kind of similar to BTK. BTK did the same crap, although he was right. caught right away, but. Um, 
he loved taunting the investigators. That's another aspect of a lot of these serial killers, Mike, is the arrogance, the taunting. Yeah, the arrogance, the ego, the, you know, mm-hmm. look at me and look what I'm getting away with. Yeah. And who's going to be next? Yeah, exactly. You know, it could be any of you. Yeah, it's, it's that sense of control. Yeah. It's absolute Absolutely. control and arrogance. It's just... Yeah. Well, just Probably uh, somebody that's you know deep down extreme narcissistic and and he believes what he's doing is is right and he has the right to do it, you know something like that. Well, um, along the line of more unbelievably unbelievably disturbing stuff, we might as well dive into the Toronto hospital baby deaths. Um, this occurred in mm. the cardiac ward of the hospital for sick children ugh, between July 1980 and March 1981. The death started after a car- our cardiology ward had been divided into two new adjacent wards. The deaths ended after the police had been called in and the digitalized type medication, or di- oh, sorry, digit- digitalis type, am I butchering that pronunciation? Or pronunciation, sorry if I am. Digitalis? Digitalis type medication <laughs> that had possibly been used for the alleged killings had begun to be kept under lock and key. Three nurses were at the center of the investigation and an apparent attempt to poison nurses' food. One of the nurses, Susan Nels, was charged with four murders, but the prosecution was dismissed a year later on the grounds that she could not have been responsible for a death excluded in the, in the indictment. And a conspiracy between multiple nurses was regarded by the judge as not credible. The lead detective resigned. An official government inquiry uh, discounted inquiry discounted claims by the hospital's own former chief of pediatrics that the deaths were not homicides and were not proven to be from this digoxin. A a second suspect was not prosecuted. It has been later argued that a chemical compound which can leach out of rubber tubing that was used in medical apparatus for feeding and delivery of medication and can be mistakenly identified by medical tests as digoxin had been the cause of some of the deaths. The deaths are still imagined to be homicides. However, some... <laughs> Goddamn, still imagined to be homicides by some, such as the epidemiologist Alexandra M. Lavitt, who, yeah, my God, who devoted one chapter of a 2015 book to the case. Now the deaths, 20 patient deaths. 20 mysterious deaths something's going on there mike mm. i mean the idea that oh, absolutely that's how can the the how can a surefire source not be determined to be behind all of this this is this isn't 20 accidents you know this is something there's right. something um obviously conspicuous something uncomfortable very uncomfortable I just, again, children involved. Lowest of the low. Yeah, yeah. Nurses, who the hell knows? The Toronto baby hospital deaths. Not a fan. Mm. Not a fan. No, absolutely not. Did you oh, want to take? Well, uh, I have one here. If yeah, you'd like to yeah. Hear about it. Come on, Let, let's find oh, a ahead. let's find a happier one. If we can. <laughs> Okay, uh, this one's kind of uh, upbeat and uh, oh, at least good. by the name. Yay! Um, and and it's <laughs> this is called this guy. They called him the bouncing ball killer. Oh, golly, Mr. And Look, by again, using Mike, the word ball, I'm ball not, you again. Know, talking anything anatomically. Oh. <laughs> this is a, a rubber bouncing ball. 
Um, let's see. The Bouncing Ball Killer, also known as a Bouncing Ball Slayer, the Bouncing Ball Strangler, and the Rubber Ball Strangler, he killed a lot of rubber balls. He did. Yeah, what's he, what's he got well, against rubber balls? Anyway, he was an unidentified American serial killer believed to have murdered at least six women in the L.A. area between May of 1959 and June 1960. During the investigation, a multitude of suspects were considered, and although some were arrested and one reportedly confessed to the crimes, the case remains officially unsolved. Um, Vixed uh, victims, yeah, six to seven plus, possibly. Um, the first murder attributed to the bouncy ball killer. Yes. No, go ahead, Mike. Go. You're fine. Okay. We're we're go, we're kind, you uh, and I are kind of a little bit behind each other here, so we kind of talk over each other. I I, I, I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The first murder attributed to the bouncing ball killer occurred on May twenty eighth, nineteen fifty nine, when fifty seven year old Ruth Gwynn was attacked while on her way home from work. The attacker brutally beat her, dragged her into a parking lot, and raped her. As witnesses tried to intervene, the man fled. Gwynn survived long enough to tell police what had happened. Though it would only take a few hours until Gwynn died as a result of her injuries, Gwynn had previously been attacked seven years prior in 1952, near where she would later be killed in 1959. That kind of makes it seem like something evidence suggested a link. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. I was kind of talking over you again. I was going to say it that that wasn't coincident coincidence by any means right there. Attacked yeah. twice, basically in the exact yeah, location. But, yeah. And, and with the, that seven year uh, span between if it was the same person, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, thought going into that. Um, on January 29th, 1960, 73-year-old Amanda E. Rockefeller was murdered. Her body was found in an alleyway two blocks away from her home. Uh, on February 10th, 1960, 60-year-old Ann Cotter was murdered along Washing Boulevard while walking to church. Three months later, on May 1st, 74-year-old Elmira Miller was murdered via, via strangulation in her home. Evidence found at the home showed that it was likely a sexually motivated attack. Twelve days later, on May 30th, 60-year-old Bessie Elva Green was raped and murdered in her apartment, which had also been burglarized. June 20th, 83-year-old Grace A. Moore was murdered in her home. Six days later, on June 26th, 72-year-old Mercedes Langeron was raped and strangled to death while a bed sheet, with a bedsheet in her home. She was found by her roommate, 62-year-old Adela Williams. Williams later told police that she had seen a man leaving the apartment as she entered it. The man who was described as approximately six feet tall, African-American, and was bouncing a rubber ball as he left. Hence the name. She also described him as wearing Ivy League clothes. Ivy League <laughs> clothes. Yeah, whatever Interesting. That means. Interesting. So she's like kind of suggesting that maybe, you know, another well-to-do, highfalutin, uh, well-educated yeah, individual, yeah. perhaps. I mean, you don't know that, but maybe. You never know. Unsolved well, you know, as anybody. it is. It doesn't matter. Unsolved, it still is. Yes. Ugh. Yep. Anybody. Course, anybody. Uh, and this monster no focused what, on this monster focused on the elderly, obviously. And what, I mean, that... 
what who are, who are more innocent, Mike? You know, children yeah. or helpless elderly half the time. You know, I shouldn't say helpless, but you know what I'm what I'm suggesting. Oh, I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, to Ugh, me, that's even crazy. more. That's even more of a coward. I mean, all these people are cowards. They're all oh, they're oh, all absolutely monsters. But focusing on elderly women, God, that's just that's, that's incomprehensible for. Hmm. For again, it, air it quotes, is. air quotes, normal people like you and I, Mike. <laughs> Doctor No. What do you got? Serial killer. I got Doctor No. Serial killer. Nickname given to a suspected American serial killer thought to be responsible for the murders of at least nine women and girls in Ohio between 1981 and 1990s. So that spans almost a decade, which is terrifying. Because who knows how many other victims are out there. As victims, he primarily chose <laughs> prostitutes working in parking lots and truck stops located alongside Interstate 71. There are suspicions that he committed three similar killings in New York, Illinois, and Pennsylvania between 1986 and 1988, also known as the Ohio Prostitute Killer and the I-71 Killer. Some of the victims were prostitutes at the Union 76 truck stop in Austin Town, east of Akron or Akron, and west of Youngstown, which is the largest city in Ohio, leading the investigators to suspect that the killer was, in fact, a truck driver. Most victims were found without underwear and shoes. Killings began in 1981 when the body of a young woman was found in Miami County, Ohio, April 24th. After a forensic examination, it was determined that the victim died from strangulation, having received a head injury beforehand. At the time of the victim's discovery, no personal belongings or documents were found, making the identification difficult. She was well-groomed. There was no evidence of sexual assault. Investigators did not characterize her as a prostitute. The next victim was 25-year-old Marsha Matthews, who was found beaten but barely alive. June 16th, 1985, by a trucker. She died, unfortunately, two and a half days later from a traumatic brain injury sustained after a beating with a blunt object. On July 20th, 1986, the body of 23-year-old prostitute Shirley Dean Taylor was discovered, who was also beaten and strangled to death. Before her disappearance, she was seen at the Union 76 truck stop. According, and I, I skipped over that for Marsha Matthews. She was also seen at the Union 76 truck stop, where, according to witness reports... <laughs> Shirley Dean went to meet a regular client named Dr. No. Now, we're talking about clients here, and we know what we're talking about, truck stops, um, lonely truckers, and sure. you know, women making, making, some, uh, making a living, basically, helping out financially. Yeah. Whose identity... Uh, this I, uh, this I, Dr. No I, was never... His identity was obviously never established. Shirley Dean's body was discovered a few miles from the place of her dis- disappearance with, again, underwear and shoes missing. So connections right there again with the... So know, he was that was his collecting, yeah. Yeah. Mementos. Absolutely. December 1986, 18-year-old prostitute April Barnett also went min- missing from the Union 76 truck stop. Her body found a few days later, 70 miles from Austin Town. As with previous cases, the victim was beaten and strangled to death with some of her clothes missing as well. Just a few days later, 28-year-old prostitute Jill Allen was found murdered in Illinois near Interstate 20. Now, the fact, despite the fact that she'd been found in another state, she was deemed a victim of the same killer due to the modus operandi. 
Allen had also been beaten and asphyxiated. Strangulation marks found on her neck. Her shoes, bra, and underwear were never found. Next victim, 27-year-old Anne-Marie Patterson, who went missing February 7th, 1987, from, you guessed it, Union 76, Austintown. Her semi-decomposed body was found 40 days later, 250 miles away from Austintown, near Cincinnati. A week before the disappearance, Patterson had been arrested by police. At the police station, Patterson gave information about a murder suspect and described his car. During, his, during the investigation, law enforcement agencies discovered that Patterson had made an appointment via CB radio with the client nickname, again, Dr. No, whom she characterized extremely negatively and then disappeared. From this, the police and later media used a nickname for the unidentified criminal. And I won't go on. It goes, sadly, it goes on for a while here because there are oh, several. Yeah, on and on. But... Dr. No, Union Union 76, truck driver, serial killer, unsolved, no one ever caught. Is he still out there? Or is he sitting there just living a a happy retired life going, oh, remember the days, you know, oh, back in the good old days when I was raping and murdering women. Wasn't it awful or wasn't it wonderful? Actually, I don't think it said that he did. I don't know if he did commit sexual assaults on all of them, but uh, either way, he's freaking just mm. awful human being. Doctor, no, no, well, thank you. What do you say about that, Igor? No. Exactly, doctor, no. doctor, no. doctor, no. exactly, monster. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he retired, hopefully he doesn't come out of retirement and he <laughs> dies a an extremely right. excruciating death. Wouldn't that be nice? Hopefully, that be hopefully nice? the uh, the castration killer finds him. <sighs> You know, what would be a good way to go for Dr. No, the truck driver, is if, he was, if two other truck drivers, like, uh, tied up his legs to one back end of a truck and tied up his arms to another back end of a truck and had them both drive in different directions, you know, uh, maybe stretch Mr. Dr. Sure. No just a wee little bit. Good Lord. Yes. Stretch him a bit. Just a bit. So, Mike, we have time for a couple more if you do here. This list is disturbing. I do. Uh, yeah, well, how about the Cleveland Torso Murderer? Oh, how about the Cleveland Torso Murderer? How does that murderer? sound? Yeah, that sounds just lovely. It, it, uh, there is a uh, caveat here that says, not to be confused with Richard Cottingham, also known as a torso killer and Times Square Torso Ripper. There, there we go. There are several torso murderers out there, and good Lord. Oh, then Mike, um, Mike the Cleveland Dogs Torso Murderer. Up. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Mike. I, again, <laughs> we apologize, Mike. I, butcher, Mike, um, one second, one second. I want to apologize. Yeah, to our, it's just weird. I want to apologize to our listeners. For some reason, our connection is going. Sometimes Mike doesn't hear me. Other times, I don't hear Mike. We're both like, oh my gosh, no one's talking. So we both decide to talk, and we talk over each other. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, it's 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 very fun. bad, very confusing, and does not make for a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> So hopefully the uh, yeah, way to encourage the, uh, way to encourage the, future listeners is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hopefully the content is uh, entertaining enough to keep them going. So anyway, um, let's see. It was an unidentified serial killer who was active in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, in the 1930s. Um, the killings were characterized by the dismemberment of 12 known victims. And the disposal of their remains in the impoverished 
neighborhood of Kingsbury Run. Most victim came, victims came from an area east of Kingsbury Run called the Roaring Third or Hobo Jungle. Hmm. It could be a potential road trip. Go to Hobo Jungle. Hobo Jungle. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, known for its bars, gambling dens, brothels, and vagrants. Uh, despite an investigation of murders, which at one time was led by the famed lawman Elliot Ness. Well, if he couldn't find him. Uh, then Cleveland's public safety director, the murderer, was never apprehended. Um, no, uh, you need 12, help, Mike? 20 victims. Uh, oh, September. What's that? I thought you froze up for a second. And I was like, oh, do you need help? Oh, and no. Then, okay. <laughs> no. It's just our connection, probably. Um, it is. I get it. Uh, the span we, of crime, September. We apologize, everybody. <laughs> September 5th, 1934 to August 16th, 1938 uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, let's see. Well, they have a picture here of Cleveland police searching for human remains. Uh, the official number of murders attributed to the Cleveland torso murder is 12, although recent research has shown there could have been as many as 20. Mm. The 12 known victims were killed between 1935 and 1938. Some investigators, including lead detective Peter Marylow, believe that there may have been 13 or more victims in the Cleveland, Youngstown, and Pittsburgh areas. Can I interject for one um, second? Yeah, go ahead. Another, you know, another just awfully tragic aspect of, I mean, all of these are tragic. All of them are awful. I just read here that only three, you may have said this, and I apologize if you did, only three of the Cleveland torso murderers' victims were actually positively identified. All the other remaining were either Jane or John Doe's. And to me, that really? just adds so much more sadness to this. People who are murdered, and you, they, they don't even know who they are. I mean, how yeah. are families are not notified? I mean, yep. it's just... Yeah. Never any closure for family. Never or any closure. Ah, I just wanted to. Say, mm. I, I needed to say that. So go ahead, Mike. Um, let's see. Uh, Unless you wanted to move on from the Cleveland tour. Oh no! Kill, killed are the unknown victim, nicknamed the Lady of the Lake, found in on August thirteenth, nineteen ninety-seven, and Robert Robertson found in July twenty-second, nineteen fifty. Um. In addition to the initial list of those killed, uh, there's also those. Mm -hmm. But that's those dates are just weird. Anyway, the victims of the torso murderer were usually drifters whose identity, identities were never determined, like you said. Although there were a few exceptions. Victims number two, three, and eight were identified as Edward Andresi, Florence Polillo, and possibly Rose Wallace, respectively. Edward Andersey and Florence Palillo, Palillo were both identified by their fingerprints, while Rose Wallace was tentatively identified via, via her dental records. Individuals, uh, the victims, appeared to be lower class, easy prey in Depression Area, Cleveland. Yeah, Depression Area. Why did that one thing come up with 19... Well, whatever. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> um. Let's see. Uh, many were known as working poor who had nowhere else to live but the ramshackle depression area shanty towns or Hoovervilles in the area known as the Cleveland Flats. Um, 
The torso murderer always beheaded and often dismembered the victims, occasionally severing the victim's torso in half or severing their appendages. In many cases, the cause of death was the decapitation or dismemberment itself. Most of the male victims were castrated. Some victims showed evidence of chemical treatment being applied to their bodies. I saw that. Which caused, which caused the skin to become red, tough, and leathery. Wow. Many of the victims were found after a considerable period of time following their deaths, occasionally in excess of a year. In an era when forensic science was largely in its infancy, these factors further complicated identification, especially since the heads were often undiscovered. Now, Mike, some of those burns, some of those skin abnormalities, it's been theorized that this was caused from lime chloride. And it's suggested, trying to get rid of the body here. Well, that's interesting because it's suggested, or identifying. It suggested that the killer meant to use the quickening lime to actually decompose the bodies quicker, but mistakenly used lime that would preserve the bodies instead of decomposing wow. them. So he's also <laughs> not, in, not only an awesome, awful person, but he's an idiot. <laughs> because he's, you know, I need well, to get rid of this quicker. No, you, you preserved them better. It's, it's um, also he is theorized. He's an idiot. Yes. Um, it's also been theorized that the. Cleveland torso murder may have some connection to the Black Dahlia murder. I had that thought when I was reading that. Yeah, that is uh, that's really really <laughs> intriguing. Um, well, Mike, let's okay. We're you got time for one more? We're at absolutely. We're, we're over an I hour now. Um, again, we apologize for the connection issues. Hopefully, this has been fairly um, informative and, and uh, even though it's a grotesque topic, but you know, entertaining because that's what we hope to do. Man, what monster should we end on here, Mike? It's which unidentified mm. monster shall we end on? Well, we have since all these people people should be um, relegated to death by sewer. Let's let's uh, end on the sewer murders or the sewage plant murders, an unexplained murder series of male adolescents in the Frankfurt Rhine Main area during the nineteen seventies. 1980s. Killings took place between 1976-1983. The victims were seven boys and male adolescents aged between 11 and 18 from 18 from Frankfurt or the Offenbach station area where some of them may have worked as prostitutes where they possibly met the culprit. They're either prostitutes or they worked in the hot dog I, factory. Frank Frankfurt. <sighs> Thank you for that wonderful joke. <laughs> Sorry. I apologize uh, for that greatly. Um, the boys' hands were tied to the back with a rope or cord and then killed by apparent blunt force. For some, however, death presumably occurred by drowning in the sewerage. <laughs> Due to long submersion in the sewage and partly strong damage to the corpses by screw conveyors, uh, the victims were identified relatively late and on only one clear signs of blunt force trauma to be to the head had been found. A possible motive stated by motive stated by criminal psychologist Rudolf Egg, yeah, that's his real name, Egg, <laughs> suggested that the suspect might be a single person at the age of about fifty, without family ties or friends. It is possible that the culprit himself had been a victim of sexual abuse and may therefore have developed a disturbed relationship with his own homosexuality or with other same-sex people. 
His inclinations included sadistic bondage. The suspect likely moved to Geisen to Frankfurt at the end of the 1970s and lived out his fetishes in the local milieu. He had also been familiar with the area and was highly mobile. The fact that he threw his victims into the sewerage after violating them is probably a hint to a deep-rooted hatred. Oh, God. Now, the modus operandi, as I mentioned, um, well, I mentioned that earlier today for, uh, regarding another awful person. The first murder is believed to have happened at the body's site of discovery. Only when he resumed killing the sex, the suspect could have figured out throwing a dead or dying victim down the sewers as a more effective way to get rid of him. The quick disposal of the bodies allowed him to carry out his murders, even within the densely populated Frankfurt area, without being caught. The victims were tied up, and then the serial killer abused them and disposed of them like garbage. For weeks or even months, the bodies in the sewers began to decompose. The dead usually remained undetected in the sewage system for a long time until they were eventually flushed into the sewage treatment plants. Good, jeez. Where they often blocked the screw pumps to separate the solid particles. Mm. Oh, the advanced deco decomposition of the bodies has made the identification and the clarification of the factual circumstance in the investigation more difficult. The first victim, for instance, was identified two and a half years after discovery. Good Lord, why did I choose that one? Mike, sewage uh, blockage caused... Yeah, Andrew, go check out that uh, blockage, oh. Charlie. I think there's some... Uh, oh, somebody had Lord. some... Some big, uh, you know, bowel movements that got stuck somewhere. Mike, then you find a body. What? Oh, what was the case? What the investigation was it? I know it's featured heavily on Ghost Adventures, and uh, there's that footage of the. It's uh, basically this. It's it, this uh, occurred. I'm sorry, my mind is going all over the place right now. This crazy, wacky hotel is supposedly haunted and uh, affects people severely. I know there's footage. Security cam footage, elevator footage yes. of this one victim going mm -hmm. like nuts in the in the elevator, and she disappeared. And you couldn't see what was going on. Couldn't see what was going Except on, but she went to the top of the building and locked herself into like the sewage treatment tank on top of the building and got it stuck. Was the, it was the water supply tank, wasn't That's it? That's what it was. The water supply, not the which yeah. is even. I mean, which is horrible for anybody drinking water yes. out of the. It would, and then I think people were complaining about, oh, that water tastes funny. They were, exactly, yes. Uh, Thank you for correcting then, me. I mean, of course the sewage thing isn't going to be on top. I meant the water supply. Yeah, people were talking about, the, you know, their water pressure was going down, and like you said, the smell and the taste, because this poor woman got trapped. She trapped herself in the water supply tank and uh, died and decomposed, obviously. My yeah. Lord. I mean, can you imagine the uh, the horror for the rest of those people's lives that oh. when they've dis discovered what that smell and taste was oh my god ah no you would never ever for the rest of your life forget that no you'd never want to stay at a hotel ever again oh good lord and you love staying at hotels i love it that's one of my favorite things to do man I well love, I love you better it. think about stuff like that oh my god <laughs> that'll be my first question the next time i check in at a hotel <laughs> uh, can i have you, have you checked your water tank lately i just want to be sure oh <laughs> but my gosh, the sewage murders, the sewer murders, how terrible. These young kids being brutally murdered, sodomized, abused, beaten, and throwing in, thrown into the sewer. Only to be discovered Ugh. after blocking the sewer itself, the sewage system. Good Lord. Well, what a way to hang on, uh, the end on that one, huh, Mike? Yeah, and one thing I wanted to, I, I was wondering is that, you know, when they have a blockage like that from something that do they have a special tool to clear that out 
a huge plunger. I, I, <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. Um, that over, yeah, it's just, uh, it's horrifying. horrifying. Anyway. No, um, well, hopefully the quality of this episode wasn't terrifying. Again, uh, yeah. for the umpteenth time, we apologize for the connection issues. And Mike, we're usually pretty good about not talking over each other that much. Yeah, but, this uh, was uh, this was excessive. That was a little excessive. It was kind of a throw. I don't think it was our fault, though. Well, that one was just right there was my fault. Okay, well, good job. But You ended yeah. on a bang. You ended on a bang. Uh, Chris, Chris Walken, will people like this episode? I don't know. Uh, um, Mike's mystery stomach slash mouth gurgle. What do you think? Well, <laughs> Yo. <laughs> your, your mouth gurgled. Uh, but as we finish this episode, you know, this was just an extremely minute list. Oh, my god, huge one. Yes. Uh, yes, exactly. We covered very few, very, very, very yeah. few. Um, and just as bad as the ones are that we discussed, um, I'm sure that there are so many that are way worse that we wouldn't even want to, you know, have on this episode or oh. on. You know, to, to, to 100%, talk about. 100%. And again, just yeah. the idea that these monsters have never been apprehended is just, yeah. it's, it's truly, it's it's maddening, it's frustrating, but it's terrifying. Um, yeah. What, you know, the depths of depravity that humans are capable of sinking to is mind-boggling to people like you and me and our listeners. You know, I just, yeah. I personally can't wrap my head around. I can't even fathom the, the idea of seeing another human being, regardless of who they are, and saying, you know what, I want to kill you. And then, yeah. you know, after doing that, I want to kill someone else. And then going on and going on and going on. It's just, it's incomprehensible for me, as it is for yeah. you and for everyone else out there listening to that right now. I realize that. So it's, the human mind is fascinating, man, but it's it can be terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. And I apologize for any, if anybody was offended by any of the... Uh, the crazy sick humor thrown in Mike I we mean, have to do that our listeners are awesome they know our humor and yeah, they know that we don't mean do. anything by it we we have to do it just to shake our heebie-jeebies off our skin yeah, every now yeah. and then it's like oh I yeah. make the joke that we feel like we have to take a shower after we do these sick and twisted ones but, oh yeah or these true crime episodes I should say but man um well you know as as flipping the jokes that we make and as lighthearted um, and weird and wacky humor that we try and throw on just morbid topics like this, in all sincerity, you know, God bless all of these victims. We hope that they are at rest wherever they their spirits may be. In all sincerity, I mean, we're not, they're not forgotten. They are not forgotten. Absolutely. Mike, um, <sighs> regardless of connection, this has been fun, man. Um, thank Absolutely. You for, thank you for making it work. I'm looking forward to next week's episode already. We'll return to all things paranormal, strange, and mysterious for sure. You go and have a good time being a grandpa tonight. I will. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to have a good time being a, a short geek. That's what I'm going <laughs> to do. <laughs> uh, he's got the mind of a child. I do. All right. On that thought, Mike, <laughs> what do our awesome listeners need to do. Peace out. <laughs>